All right, good morning. As you saw in the video, we're talking about Mary and Martha. You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38 and 42. 2 Timothy 3.16 states, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And as, you've, as you have seen and as we have all seen through the book of Luke, um, it is packed with lessons, lessons that challenge us. Today's passage is no different. As I studied this passage, I was challenged in many different uh, ways personally. And as I go through this message today, it is uh, my prayer that God will sharpen you as well. Join me as I read this, uh, these verses. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Join me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage today, we can already see some areas in our life that maybe need to be worked on. Uh, Father, as we look at this passage, we are thankful that a few verses can... um, convict us of things that are going on in our lives, priorities that we have. We thank you for your word and that it is packed full of lessons for us, ways to train us in how to be um, godly men and women that follow you and know you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that we have this morning. And as I said, I I do pray that you would sharpen each one of us through these words, that your Holy Spirit would move as you desire today. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we are welcomed into God's family, it is natural for us to respond by taking action. Getting in the Bible, spending time reading it and studying it, getting involved by serving in ministry, looking for ways to make a difference. And today we're looking at two women that did just that, Mary and Martha, sisters from Bethany, which sat about two miles outside of Jerusalem. It was a place that Jesus frequented throughout his ministry. These two sisters believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the Son of God. These two sisters had a good friendship with him. We are told by the Apostle John in the Gospel of, in his own Gospel, uh, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 5, that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Jesus loved them, and he felt welcomed by them. He got comfortable right away. We are shown that this is consistent in the three passages that this family is mentioned in. In today's passage, we see that when Martha heard Jesus and his disciples were on their way, she invited them in eagerly and got right to work preparing the meal for them. Mary, on the other hand, was excited to spend time with Jesus and learn from him 
and soak it all in. Jesus' desire is the same for you and I. He desires hospitality and love from us as individuals and as a church, the same that he had received from Mary and Martha. In Revelation 3.20, he states, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What an awesome invitation that is for each one of us. Jesus doesn't want us to follow him and become robots. He wants us to follow him and have a relationship with him. And he wants us to welcome him in. This past summer, I was on a mission trip with some of our high school students to San Francisco. While there, uh, we worked alongside an incredible um, staff. Each day, our main trip leader would take a time to reflect on scripture following our individual Bible devotion time. One day she quoted something from a little book called My Heart, Christ's Home. As she shared, a member of our team, Caleb, said, hey, I have that book, and he pulled it from his his wallet. So as I was preparing for this uh, sermon, I knew right where to go. I cornered Caleb, grabbed his wallet, took, no, (laughs) didn't grab his wallet, but I said, hey, I need that book. It it seems to apply to the the place we're going here. So as as she went through, as she went through talking about this book, and as I prepared my lesson, it seems so, uh, so, um, what's the word I'm looking, profound, as I thought about being a believer and what it means to follow Jesus, this little tiny book, and it had such a neat message. In it, the man commits his life to Jesus. And then the man invites Jesus to come into his home or into his heart. I put the quote up on the board here. You can follow along with me as I read from this first one here. In the book, it says, After Christ entered my heart, In the joy of that newfound relationship, I said to him, Lord, I want this heart of mine to be yours. I want you to settle down here and be fully at home. I want you to use it as your own. Let me show you around and point out some of the features of the home so that you may be more comfortable. I want you to enjoy our time together. He, Jesus, was glad to come and seemed delighted to be given a place in my ordinary little heart. The author, uh, Robert Munger, then goes on to explain the details of the tour and how Jesus slowly went through each room of the home and transformed it and worked in this man's life. This booklet gave me a great picture of what it truly means to welcome Jesus into our lives. He wants us to open the doors of our hearts wide open He wants us to welcome him with excitement and eagerness for our Lord. Mary and Martha had accepted Jesus' invitation to make their hearts his home and were proud to serve him in their individual ways. Martha as the host and Mary through conversation and good ears. But choosing the better includes avoiding distractions. The warm welcome that Martha gave quickly changes to discontentment and frustration. 
Follow along as I reread verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. As Mary is spending time soaking up the words of Jesus and desiring to learn, Martha is becoming overwhelmed with the tasks that need to get done to serve Jesus and his disciples. Dictionary.com defines distraction as having your attention diverted, being rendered incapable of behaving or reacting in a normal manner, caused by worry and remorse. We become irrational and disturbed. I envision Martha working on the tasks in the kitchen while leaning her ear, her body toward the conversation going on in the other, in that living space nearby, trying to hear what Jesus had to say, but then having to go back and get the next thing going, desiring to be with Jesus, but not able to. And during this back and forth, she realizes the preparations could get done a lot quicker with some help from Mary, who's just in the other room visiting. Can any of you relate to this? I know I can. <laughs> Thinking to herself, Mary should be helping me. Why does she get to sit and visit and spend time with Jesus while I do all the work? We all do that sometimes, at least I do, as, individual, as individuals and as members of the church body. We love Jesus and we desire to spend time with him but everything else around us pulls us away, even our desire to serve him. In our love for Jesus, we desire to serve him. But if we're not careful, the service can become the priority over spending time with him. As a believer and as a pastor, I have found myself in this place many times. And as I do, the joy of serving the Lord gets replaced by the list of things that have to get done. Deep down, I know that I should take more time to sit at God's feet, but I'm distracted by the ministry opportunities or duties that involve serving him. Martha's list of things to do to serve Jesus became a burden and pulled her away from her desire to spend time with him. And she was not capable of reacting in a normal manner. She becomes irrational and disturbed. Martha's focus changes from Jesus to herself. She blames Mary and even accuses Jesus of not caring. Like I said before, I don't think I'm the only one who has been guilty of doing the same thing. Losing sight of Jesus and focusing on myself. Blaming others and expecting Jesus to be on my side. In our story of my heart, Christ's home, Roger shares how the man had eagerly invited Jesus in, but now goes on to share how the man gets distracted by other priorities. He says, and you can follow along with me, however, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, this time with Christ began to be shortened. Why, I'm not sure. 
Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special, regular time to be with Christ. This was not a deliberate decision, you understand. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days now and then, such as during midterms or finals. Matters of urgency demanded my attention more continually. The matters that of urgency demanding my attention were continually crowding out my quiet times of conversation with Jesus. I can relate with Martha and the man in this tale. I can give you example after example after example of times when distractions got in the way of Jesus. And many of you in this room probably have seen me in these, in these situations as the youth pastor here. I wanted to give you one example from my own personal life. Uh, Mexico mission trip, 2009. First year as the official youth pastor here at Lakes. I took a group of 37 uh, to serve Jesus. Along that trip, I watched as details fell through. There were struggle after struggle with student and adult team members alike. I got so caught up in everything that all I wanted to do was leave and find a way, or find a way for the team to be left in Mexico. <laughs> well, at least, I should say at least part of them. I could list some names. But nonetheless, I had gotten so distracted by the details that I lost the focus of Christ. Remember, the whole goal of the trip was to serve Christ, and now I'm getting caught up in these details. As I was distracted, I spent the time right, um, hold on, about partway through the week, we had an opportunity to spend some time alone with Christ. While I was with him, and as I was distracted while with him, I spent the time writing out my complaints about what people were doing wrong on the trip. While having my pity party with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he gently restored me and brought me back to a godly frame of mind. Not having any paper at the time, I wrote in the back of the Bible that I had with me. This is what I wrote in response to the complaining that was going on. God basically said, why don't you take everything you're complaining about or writing down as a complaint, and why don't you just put an I in front of that? And so this is what I wrote in the back of my Bible that day. I am out of control. I rebel against authority. I go where I shouldn't. I don't think I fly off the handle. I am afraid to share God's truth on the prayer walks. I do my own thing. I am the instigator. I feel inadequate. I am wrong. I don't know what I am doing. I feel like a failure. I don't listen. I forget what I'm here for. I am inflexible. I am lazy. And I am judgmental. And at the end of that, God just gently said to me, and had me write down, yet God, you love me anyway. And through that, he restored my confused mind. That meeting with Jesus brought clarity and healing. The Holy Spirit convicted me of the same things that I was complaining about everyone else. And I had to apologize to the team. 
The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, really goes after the church members for losing the focus as they serve together as the body of Christ. This letter is now a great teacher for us as a church in regards to being distracted from Christ. Here's a short list of what the the church was struggling with. They had many distractions. They were distracted by quarrels about who who they followed as leaders, who the more important leader was, Paul, Apollos, Christ, different philosophy, worldly philosophy and worldly things. They were distracted by um, their own worldly wisdom and living. They got caught up in the world around them. Do any of us do that today? And I go on Facebook for two minutes and I see everybody's view, but I see nobody saying Christ is on the throne. You know, we get caught up in jealousy and boasting about human leaders. Our distractions are our own sin. Our sins get in the way. Our arrogance and our pride, just like in the church here. They were distracted. They were taking each other to court to have a secular judge take care of the matter rather than as believers working it out. And they were comparing their giftedness as if one was better than the other. So Paul gives us this great great list, and I read that list, and I go, that's me too, and i got to work on those things. And those things are distracting me from my relationship with Christ. But Paul not only challenges the church and challenges us as well, but we see through his letters to the churches um, that he gives us an understanding of what it looks like to be a church that has its focus on Christ without distraction. And here's one of those examples from Colossians. And there's many more. I just chose this one. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I personally desire for myself and for this body of believers that we not get distracted. I prefer this, these things, forgiveness, compassion, gentleness, patience, perfect unity over the distractions that divide us. When we get distracted, Like I said, here's some of the results. Our opportunities to bear fruit and be a witness are lost. The outside world is watching us and how we behave matters. And our fellow believers in this room are also watching us. I have failed many times at this. And I've seen the results. Fruit is not born, witness is lost, and relationships with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are damaged. When we get caught up in the distractions, it brings a wedge. But that doesn't have to be our end. We don't have to stay there in distraction, Bill, because we have a Savior that knows us and loves us. Choosing the better means meeting Jesus at his feet. Jesus responds to Martha, and he responds to you, and me as well, with Martha, Martha, or Justin, Justin. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus didn't respond to Martha harshly or say that her desire to serve him was bad, and he doesn't do that with us either. He loves when we serve him, but sitting at his feet is better. Every time Mary is mentioned throughout the Bible, her position is always at Jesus' feet. Recently, as I was spending time reading the Bible, I kept coming across this word, feet. As I did my study on today's passage, I was reminded of this and did a search of verses that included the word feet or the word knelt and or the word knelt. I found over 20 verses that related to spending time at Jesus' feet in the Gospels alone. We are asked personally, we are asked to spend time with Jesus through reading his word in prayer. At Jesus' feet in the Gospels, the people went there for healing for themselves and others. We see that throughout the Gospels. Broken lives led to being at Christ's feet. If you, if you wanted healing, you go to Christ's feet. They went to his feet to worship over and over again, giving praise to Christ for what he has done. They worshiped him for who, what he had done and who he was. At Jesus' feet, they went there for forgiveness and freedom. I think of the um, Legion. Think of the Legion, the character. When he meets Christ, he is a mess, but they show him free from sin and free from the demonic spirits and in his right mind at Christ's feet. It's a beautiful image. We go to Jesus' feet to learn and grow. And we go to Jesus with our concerns. I don't know about you, but I think I, I lived under this assumption throughout my life that if I was praying to Jesus, I had to do it in a very, um, maybe almost like a more worshipful way than it needed to be. We have a Christ that just like we, he shows us in here, he wants to have fellowship with us and he wants us to bring it all. And he wants us to bring our concerns and lay them before his feet. He is not, he is not afraid of that. In, in fact, he delights in it. He wants us to bring it all. If you're struggling with stuff, he wants to meet you there and he is there. So he wants us at his feet. He wants each one of us to do just like all these examples did. But it ta- it's, it's hard. I know for me it's hard and for you it's probably hard. My question for you is, are you spending time at Jesus' feet? What does that look like? Is it something we do because we have to do it? Is it something we do quickly in the morning before we get on with our lives? Are we making a priority to spend time at his feet first? As I close, I want to re- revisit our past examples uh, that I shared from earlier. As for the man in our story, uh, he gets so distracted and off, and finally he comes to his right mind, and Jesus is there gently restoring him. And this is his response. Our man says, Suddenly I asked, Lord, is there a possibility you would be willing to manage the whole house and operate it for me? Could I give to you the responsibility of keeping my heart what it ought to be and myself doing what I ought to be doing? I could see his face light up as he replied, I'd love to. This is exactly what I came to do. You can't live out the Christian life in your own strength. This is impossible. Let me do it for you and through you. 
That's the only way it will really work. He understood that the best place for him was at Jesus' feet, allowing him control of everything. Are you letting Jesus have control of everything in your life? Are you laying it at his feet? And as for Martha, let's take a look at an encounter she had with Jesus some months after the encounter we read today. If you would turn or mark down John chapter 11, verse 20 through 27. And let me read it out loud here for you. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you everything you ask. Jesus said to her, your, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is a profound statement that Martha makes, only equal to Peter when he proclaims that Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah. She says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. What we learn from this passage and John 12 as well is that Martha continues to use her strengths as the host, as the servant, but we know that she had put aside those distractions and spent time at Jesus' feet as well. Just like Mary, Martha chose the better. Now it's up to you and I to make the choice. We need to choose today to go to Christ's feet. We need to welcome him into our life with expectancy and excitement, just like the example we had today. And we need to make him our, our focus. We need to identify and put aside the distractions. We need to figure it out. If you're wrestling with a sin issue or whatnot, we got to figure out how to, if you need help, come talk to a pastor. We want to help you with those things. But whatever it is that's pulling you aside, I know the, the life we live in these days, everything is move, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. We need to figure out how to make space to make Jesus the priority over these other things. And we need to spend time at his feet. Uh, join me as I close our time with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you love us. We are so thankful that you are not a God that wants to be separate, but a God that wants to be near to us and have a relationship with us. God, we are thankful for the opportunities that you allow us to serve you and to be a part of your plan. But Father, help us to get out of the way. You don't need us. We are thankful that you give us the opportunities, but Father, help us to go to you first in relationship. Help us not to get caught up in everything else prior to spending time with you so that you can help us with all those other things. God, thank you for the opportunity to, to share this morning from your word. And I just ask that for myself and for those in this room, that each one of us would take something away from here, uh, take it home with us, and start applying it today. God, the best, we need to choose the better, and you are the best. So God, would you go before us today 
Walk beside us. Help us to know that you are near. In Jesus' name, amen. As I close with our uh, benediction today, just ask that you would rise as I read from a verse we looked at earlier um, from Revelation 3, verse 20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Grab a hold of that. Take it to heart. He's waiting for you. Go in peace. Amen.